on the side of the truck. It's like putting everything that you believe in and everything that you stand for on the side of that truck as well. Just be good. He said that a lot. As a kid, I used to think he meant behave, but that's not at all how he meant it. I think of him this time of the year. In April of 2013 was when he met his great-grandson for the first time. You should have seen that smile when I told him what his name was. Gramps, we all miss you. I'm Eric Smith with Austin Plumbing and Polar Express Heating and Air. Let's be good out there. The place you want to go, Lynch McWanago. Nobody sells for less than Lynch. The most up-to-date news. President Trump is backing off plans to wind down the White House task force in the coming weeks. The impact. 3.6 million Americans filed unemployment for the first time last week. That brings the seven-week total to 33 million. And the road ahead. University of Wisconsin System President Ray Cross ordering campuses to identify programs that are worthy of preservation as well as brace for layoffs. Keep up with the very latest on Wisconsin's radio station, News Radio WTMJ. At 12.01, it is 47 degrees. High today, 60 inland. Cooler along the lake. From the WTMJ Breaking News Center, I'm Eric Bilsetter. We're keeping our eye on the situation here on I-94. I-94 through Racine County, keeping an eye on a situation near Highway 11. There was an ammonia leak from a truck tanker that had tipped over on a frontage road in that area. Crews are on the scene. They've been dealing with this. You're going to see fire trucks and some workers in orange suits as they deal with that. What they've been wanting to do, though, is get that thing upright. And because of that, there is some concern that perhaps... There could be an unstable situation because of that. They had been shutting down the lanes in both directions of 94 by Highway 11. So be mindful of that. They may have to do so here as they ensure the stability of the scene. But the crews are on the frontage road there dealing with that. We'll get you an update. Make sure that all is well in that area. A large fire in East Troy. An apartment fire this morning bringing in fire crews and fire uh, trucks and uh, from all areas of East Troy. Police say 70 people had to be displaced. From that fire, more than two, a dozen fire departments responded. Again, this was at a fire at an um, an apartment area called Honey Creek Apartments in East Troy. The uh, ceilings and the roofs in some of those areas completely devastated and destroyed from that fire so we will get you more details as soon as we know but we do know that 70 people displaced from it as of now no word on what started that large apartment fire in east troy governor evers says they are waiting to find out what happens from the state supreme court over the lawsuit filed from the gop questioning the legality of his safer at home extension to may 26 evers on with wtmj steve scafidi earlier today says he will consider working with them if they need to something out I, I i think we have a good plan if if uh, uh, republicans have a plan we'll be glad to listen to that and see if we can come to the con- some consensus the governor says he would consider a regional reopening of the state if need be much more online at wtmj.com the ongoing pandemic is leaving virtually no business unaffected that includes a well-known wisconsin craft brewery Blair's Brewing's deb carey says it's tough to keep making suds we have very limited ability to make beer with a skeleton crew one cut into threes each working a week before taking two off 
live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Okay, Brett Favre says he will now repay the $1.1 million that he received from the state of Mississippi, a poverty agency in Mississippi. He will now repay the $1.1 million for speeches that he was hired to do that he did not make. He says he was the unknowing recipient of money intended to help needy families in his home state. Well, (laughs) it's kind of like... Okay, that, that that's fine. It's it's good that he's he's paying the money back. He's apparently already paid back half a million, and he says he'll get the other six hundred thousand dollars to them over like an installment plan or something like that. And that that's all well and good, except it still raises this entire question of okay, first of all, okay, who who thinks it's a good idea to take poverty money and and hire Brett Favre to give speeches? And secondly, if you're hired to give speeches. How can you not show up? And everybody agrees he did not show up. How can you not show up, and how can you keep the money? So I'm, I'm looking at some of these stories. The, the agency is applauding uh, Brett Farr for, for paying back the money, and that's all, that's all fine. I'm just wondering, in what planet, though, do you make a deal to give speeches, regardless of where the money is coming from, pocket the money, and then not show up to give the speeches? Uh, yeah, of course he should be paying the money back. There's nothing noble about that a- at all. And it sounds like this agency, I mean, they question about $94 million in spending of public money, only $1.1 million of which went to Brett Favre. But still, they're paying him $1.1 million to give three speeches. He doesn't show up to give the speeches. Yes, Yes, he should be giving that money back. That seems like a no-brainer to me. All right, 855 855- Six one six one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I want to start out and get your reaction to a, a story. We we all know we are living through the shelter at home, safer in place rules. We know that a number of different states have all sorts of different rules. We know that the public in general is going through quarantine fatigue, and as a result of that, there's incredible pressure to open up. We also know that safer at home or at least maintaining social distancing not getting too close to people uh, washing your hands all those sorts of things we know that it helps reduce the spread of the virus we also know that coronavirus is particularly dangerous now look nobody wants to get it but if you look at the people who are really messed up statistically it is overwhelmingly older people and it's overwhelmingly older people that have various uncontrolled other illnesses, obesity, hypertension, that's high blood pressure, uncontrolled diabetes. That, that, that's really the category. And it's one of the reasons why, where you look at, at the numbers of where you have the outbreaks, for example, in Wisconsin, it's, it's nursing homes, because you know you had a lot of outbreaks at nursing homes early on, 
and its meatpacking plants and its jails. Th- those those are where the vast majority, not all, but the vast majority of the numbers are coming from. You don't hear stories of massive outbreaks of, of COVID-19 coming from people who went to shop at a at a grocery store in, uh, I don't know, in the Fox Valley. That That's not where the spread is coming from. The big numbers are coming from some of those areas. But it also means that you've got to be more careful around people, particularly people who are vulnerable, which brings me to the mayor of San Francisco. Now, uh, this Sunday is Mother's Day, and, I mean, it's going to be a Mother's Day like no other because typically what would happen on Mother's Day, I think a lot of people would go, a big day for, big day for restaurant, restaurants. People go out for Mother's Day brunch. Um, you Maybe you, you host families. Mom comes over. Maybe mom makes the dinner and all the kids come over. Big family day. And Mother's Day is this Sunday. Now, there's not going to be going out too much going out to restaurants, although I, I do know that there's a lot of restaurants who are preparing, you know, Mother's Day take-home deals that you can go and you can get. They'll, they'll make the ham or whatever it's going to be or the beef and all the fixings, and you pick it up and you come in at home and you bring it home, and, and you heat it for the family. All right. Well, um, in San Francisco, what they have announced is that this Mother's Day – People should not visit their mothers on Mother's Day, even if wearing masks and keeping six feet apart. Unless residents live in the same households with their mothers, this is a quotation from the person who like runs the health department who formerly worked in the Obama White House, unless residents live in the same households with their mothers, the greatest gift we can give to our mothers this Mother's Day is stay away. Don't visit your mom in person this year. All right, not just saying don't visit your mom in person if mom is in a nursing home. Don't visit your mom in person if mom is in an assisted living facility. Don't visit your mom in person if mom, I don't know, has a number of overriding health concerns. The recommendation is don't visit mom in person. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think about, now this is San Francisco, it's not Milwaukee, but it's San Francisco. What do you think about the government telling you, don't visit your mother on Mother's Day? Again, it's not, hey, if you visit mom, stay outside. If you visit mom, practice social distancing. If you visit mom, make sure you're all wearing masks. It's don't visit mom on Mother's Day. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you intend to follow advice like that? Do you expect that you will be visiting your mother on Mother's Day? And do you think that uh, maybe you can figure out how to do it in a safe fashion? All right, we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, I understand if you want to say, look, you know, if, if you're going to go visit your mom, be careful. I, I, I get it, particularly if mom has underlying health problems. But don't visit your mother on Mother's Day. That's the greatest gift you can give her. Really? All right, we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the health commissioner in San Francisco is saying the greatest gift that you can give your mother this Mother's Day is not to visit her. Not visit her, but make sure you wear a mask. Not visit her, but make sure that you practice social distancing. Not visit her, but make sure everybody washes their hands. Not that, But the recommendation is don't visit her at all. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Chris in Cedarburg. Chris, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, you know, my parents have been married for 62 years, and they've been through, you know, uh, Korea, World War II, polio, all, all of those things, nasty things that they've survived. And um, it would be it would be traumatic for me to tell my father or my sister and brothers, hey, we're, we can't see mom, especially my dad. Um, they've come this far, and this very, very well be, they be their last, you know, their last right. holiday together. But, but at least they could see each other. Maybe even give a quick hug or a touch or, or something to to put some validity back in their lives because this is just horrific. And you can't deny people who've gone through so much. You know the simple things. You know, and I just, I just think the emotional strain is going to be worse after this. You know, if if something doesn't happen quick, where people can get back together. Well, well, thanks for the call, Chris. I, and I guess, see, I, to me, it, it's like every every situation is different. Here's a text, Jeff. My mother is 97. Her doctor told me that social distancing does not mean social isolation. I am going to follow my doctor's advice. Jeff, this is an overreach. Unless mom falls into a high-risk category, people need to honor and enjoy what time they have with their parents while they're still living, even if social distancing and masks are involved. Um, Let's see. Jeff, so sad. You're still pushing a deadly narrative virus doesn't care. If mom's old, don't. Um, You might kill her. Okay, look, here's the bottom line of all this. This idea, and I understand there's people out there who just say, okay, we, we've got a shelter in place for the next two or three years, and we can't have any sort of social contact at all. And, and if that's the way you think about things, I respect that. That's fine. At the same time, I think we also have to apply a degree of common sense to this. And for the light, let, let's put aside a situation where you've got maybe an elderly parent who fits into those high-risk categories in a nursing home or something like that. Okay, that's, that's a different sort of category. But let's say, all right, mom's in her 70s. She's living with dad. You know, she's in her house. And, you know, you, if you want to go over there and you want to wear masks and you want to, like, even stand outside, I will tell you, you know, during this whole thing, we have visited some of our relatives and we've visited friends and we've maintained distances and, you know, we, we've kept apart and those sort of things and we haven't gone into the houses. And, and it's just a, simply a choice that we have made. And I guess this idea that government is now telling you that you cannot interact or you should not interact on Mother's Day with your relatives, no matter how how smart you might choose to do because of of the possibility, however remote it is, that, all right, there might be this disease that is passed. I guess I would say, why don't people try to be smart uh, about this whole thing? And again, I, I understand that there's all sorts of situations where, hey, you know, 
you know, mom's got a huge respiratory problem, for example, you know, and she hasn't been outside and she hasn't had any any interaction with anybody other than dad. And he goes out and he does all the stuff. Okay, I, I get it. In that particular situation, I fully understand it. But really to say, okay, it's Mother's Day, so you want to go over to mom's house and you want to stand out on the front lawn and you want to maintain your, your six feet social distancing and you want to say, hey, mom, I love you. It, government's going to tell you that you should not do that? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, all right, Jeff, I, staying home when there's a stay-at-home order. People should not be going out. Okay. Um, Jeff, I'm definitely visiting Mom on Mother's Day. I'm so over this quarantine. Jeff, I plan on seeing my mom on Mother's Day. If the mayor of San Francisco wants to live in a plastic bubble that that's fine by me i think this is government overreaching in the extreme um jeff i feel this is getting way out of control leave it to san francisco to come out with these types of restrictions i think it's absolutely ridiculous jeff we've gone from flattening the curve to now don't visit mom i'm buying mother's day dinner at a restaurant i'm going by my mother's i plan on having a great dinner proper precautions will be taken the government needs to get over themselves 855-616-1620 let's talk to sabrina in west dallas sabrina you're on wtmj hi so here's my thing i was just at walmart shopping and they don't have anybody standing at the door making sure there's not, you know, over 50 people in the store. I was bumping into people's carts. Here's my thing. We're going to visit our mothers, our single person. We can't stand on their front lawn or, like, people in San Francisco, they can't stand on the front lawn of their mom's house and, like, blow them a kiss or, like, drop a gift off. Their mom can they get mail every single day. We can't you know, give them something on their right. front lawn and they can disinfect it and get it that way. That's, that's my thing is I don't understand why San Francisco is doing that. Well, what you, you raise a very good point. I mean, I drove by Fleet Farm the other day and there must, if there were, if there was 10 cars in the parking lot, there was 500 cars in the parking lot. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's absolutely packed. So you, you can go to Fleet Farm or mom can go to Fleet, mom and dad can go to Fleet Farm or they can go to Target or they can go to whatever grocery store they can go to and they can interact with all these strangers, but the kid can't come over and stand on the lawn, you know, six feet away and say, Happy Mother's Day. I mean, have we really gotten exactly. to that point? Right. And, no, yeah, you're more at risk going to the store. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. No, thank, thanks for the call. And again, I see. I, I get these texts from. I, again, it, it's the people that. Well, we've got to be absolutely safe. We 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 can't expose anybody, including ourselves, to any sort of risk at all that we might get sick. And. And, and again, we've gone, and this is going to be a theme of the program today, we've gone from the notion of flattening the curve to this idea that there can't be, you know, we, we, we have to, like, promise that nobody can ever get sick. Well, good luck with that. But here's the bottom line. I think you have to be smart about this particular situation. And again, obviously, if somebody's got a pre-existing thing or in, in this high-risk group, well, of course you're going to, to stay away. But on Mother's Day, my guess is that there will be some degree of interaction. And if the kids, you know, if, if you're not sick and you haven't been sick, and I understand people can be asymptomatic, but you live in an area where there's little or no coronavirus and mom and dad live in an area where there's no coronavirus and you want to go over and you want to, and you choose collectively that you want to sit out on the patio maintaining appropriate social distancing and all that sort of stuff. You know, when, when the government tells you you can't do that, you know, is is that the point where people start to decide, you, you know, 
maybe government is going too far, and is that the point where you end up getting the backlash? Now, I'm not encouraging people to do irresponsible sort of things. And like I say, I have several friends who are in some of those targeted risk groups, and my guess is it's going to be a long, long time before you know we, we see each other and sit in close proximity to each other because they don't want to get sick, and the last thing I want to do is bring any sort of, of disease to them, even though I don't think that I'm sick. So you, you take it on a sort of case-by-case basis, but it will be interesting, and now you've got at least one government agency in one city saying, we don't even want you to have any contact at all with your parents on Mother's Day. Will people follow it? Ah, that becomes a little more problematic. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. I sent out a link to this story. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. There's an editorial in today's Chicago Tribune that really kind of caught my attention because... It crystallizes some of the things that we have been talking about over the course of the last seven weeks or so. Um, and the background of this is the, the governor of Illinois just came out with a, a, a five-step plan to reopen Illinois. But it, it sets these, these various goals, which are very difficult to meet. And, in fact, it says that large gatherings, conventions, baseball games, things like that, that they can't reopen. They will not be allowed to operate in Illinois until there is a vaccine. Until there is a vaccine. No, no large gatherings. And, and, you know, maybe we'll have a vaccine in eight months. Maybe we'll have a vaccine in four years. And this has gotten a lot of attention. I just may share with you a portion of the editorial. Like I said, I sent out a link to it on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. After seven weeks of battling COVID-19 while enduring economic and emotional hardship, it's reasonable for people of Illinois to ask whether the goals of the governor's stay-at-home order are being met. Or, to put it in terms every anxious resident feels, when can the state reopen and life begin to resemble normal? People are dying of coronavirus, but lives are being saved. That's because everyday activities have been suspended or curtailed, and people are taking the pandemic seriously while practicing social distancing. The rate of infection has slowed enough to allow hospitals here to manage caseloads. That's what success was supposed to look like. Illinois is, indeed, bending the curve on an escalating health pandemic we feared could overwhelm hospital resources. The costs, though, of that success are enormous. The burdens are excruciating for many. Closed businesses, closed schoolhouses, closed churches, family and friends cut off from one another, many people trapped at home in isolation. Illinois cannot remain shut down indefinitely, neither can the country. On Friday, economists expect the U.S. Labor Department to report that April unemployment hit an astounding 16%. That's 22 million jobs lost in one month, the equivalent of eliminating every job created in the past decade. This week, with about four weeks to go until the current May 30th expiration of the stay-at-home edict, the governor set out a five-phase plan to get it open. The latest plan extends the benchmarks for victory from bending the infection curve to defeating the virus altogether. Schools would not reopen and restaurants and gyms could not reopen with capacity limits until testing and contract tracing are in full use and there's been no overall increase in hospital admissions for 28 days. This yardstick exceeds the Center for Disease Control recommendation. Go back to March when COVID, okay, and then it goes on. Conventions, large-scale concerts um, would not be allowed to return until a vaccine or effective treatment exists. Go back to March 
when COVID-19 began its deadly attack on the U.S., and the governor and the mayor of Chicago began their aggressive defenses. The imperative then was to stop the coronavirus from killing thousands of people and overwhelming the state's ability to treat patients. When the governor closed schools and then issued the stay-at-home order, his argument was that people of Illinois need to make shared sacrifices for a limited but uncertain time to avoid a public health catastrophe that, like the one that threatened New York City. There, hospitals feared they would run out of ventilators, and they began constructing makeshift morgues for the onslaught of victims. I'm speaking in a very literal sense when I say having the general public stay home one day at a time will have a massive effect on bending the curve, and that means lives saved, he said. All right. The goal was apparently to get the outbreak under control, though not to eradicate it completely. And then it goes on to talk about how that's been the goal. Um... At no, those so far, though, at no point has Illinois run out of ventilators. They had 64% ventilators. They had 20% of ICU be- of beds available. That is success. Okay, then the editorial concludes, We have preached patience and support a stay-at-home orders extension. To relax the state's posture too quickly could invite a second wave of infections. But what the governor also needs to keep in mind is how to define victory. Containing the coronavirus. We don't want his pursuit of the perfect outcome to delay the restarting of his activities. And it goes on, but, but you get the idea. The, the point being, when we started all this, the idea was flatten the curve. Stop the health system from being overwhelmed. Not eliminate the, the virus. Because I think most people realize that the virus, like it or not, is going to be with us for a year, two years, whatever. That's just going to be the reality. So with social distancing, with the stay-at-home sort of things, reduce the spread, make sure the hospital system is not overwhelmed. And yet I will tell you, I would say about 20% of the emails I get when we talk about this or texts are people who say no. You know, there, there is this virus out there. It has the potential to kill people. We cannot open businesses. We cannot go see our mothers. We cannot go back to any sense of normal at all as long as there is the possibility that somebody somewhere may get sick. It's not in the minds of some people about flattening the curve to make sure the health system is overwhelmed. It's about eliminating the virus. We can't go back to any sense of normal until the virus is gone or there is a therapeutic. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. But let's tee this up and, and have this candid conversation. Are we about, quote-unquote, flattening the curve, or are we at a point where we cannot allow businesses to reopen in any sort of meaningful fashion? We can't do that until... We, we have the vaccine. We have the therapeutic. Should we be concentrating on eliminating, eliminating the disease? Because the truth of the matter is, people will, in fact, get sick. There, there's no guarantee. Once you start to, quote, unquote, go back to normal, there will be somebody that has it, and there will be somebody else that gets infected. All right, is the goal to eliminate the disease to guarantee that nobody gets sick, or is it still to flatten the curve in other words, making sure the health system isn't overwhelmed. 855-616-1620. 
That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by health system not overwhelmed, what are we talking about? Making sure that the people have the masks that need the masks. Making sure that the people have the PPE that they need. Making sure that there is an availability of hospital beds. Concentrating on on high-risk areas where the surges break out. But is it reasonable to say, okay, we're... We're, we're not going to have any interaction at all until we've essentially eliminated this disease. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, it's ridiculous to think we have to wait so no one will ever get sick again. That's like saying we have to have a cure for the common cold or flu or we will stay shut down forever. Jeff, you have to weigh health and the economy in order to make the right decision. It's not one or the other. 855-616-1620. And somebody points out that Jeff, Illinois converted their convention center for like a COVID-19 overflow area, $24 million. It's sitting empty today. Yeah, they, they did. Well, it's the same thing in, in, in Wisconsin. You know, we, the state, state fair, the expo center has been converted into, you know, a makeshift hospital for overflow COVID-19 patients. It hasn't been used for any of that. And that's good news. I mean, we, we took that preparation. We were afraid that there was going to be at the start of this before people were practicing social distancing and all these things. We were afraid that there was going to be this huge surge, which overwhelmed our health system. And, and that, that hasn't happened. And that's good news. I mean, it's good news that it hasn't happened. Matter of fact, you can argue that maybe we went overboard because, you know, what hospitals did, and now they're, they're laying off doctors, they're laying off nurses. They canceled, they converted all sorts of operating rooms and things like that. They converted them into facilities to handle, you know, COVID-19 patients, and, and that surge never happened. And so you have all sorts of people who had had make what we're going to call routine medical procedures that were delayed, couldn't get the mammograms, couldn't get the hip replacements, couldn't get any of this stuff, and it, in because we were afraid that the hospitals would be overwhelmed, and they never were. And, and again, I get, doesn't mean, I guess, that it, it suddenly can't happen in the future. But the question becomes, what, what is our what is our goal? Is it to stop the hospitals from being overwhelmed? Because they're not right now. They're, they're, they're just flat out not. Or is it, you know, we, we want to essentially eradicate the disease and make sure that nobody who comes into contact with anybody else can ever pick it up? Yeah, because if that's the goal, that that's fine. But then let's be honest and let's tell people that that's the goal. And let's say, okay, this means, all right, right now if we're looking at millions unemployed, well, okay, it's going to be tens of millions unemployed. If we're going to make the country essentially shut down for the next two years while we try to get a vaccine. And then once we get a vaccine, lots of people aren't going to take it anyways. Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, first of all, to, to whoever emailed you talking about the flu and the cold, the fact is we have a vaccine for the flu. And and, and the other issue is that uh, uh, 700 people aren't dying in, in, in mass from the cold. So so, 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 so that's, a, that's a specious argument about we have the flu and, 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 and the cold and people, and people get cold. But my point is, is that we, we know that the curve was flattened because – we had to stay at home order that we began to shut down the country that's why that's why we didn't have the massive number that people have been predicting because we 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 began to fight it that way 
Now, now the well, issue what, what is. Role, well, wait, let me stop you for a second. I'll let, I'll, let me stop. What role do you think social distancing and things like that that play? Because we're we're we people still go to the grocery stores and 500 people still go to Fleet Farm and all that. But we, we're smarter about it. We go to these stores, but we 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 social distance and we wash our hands more. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, is it the stay-at-home order or is it social distancing or is it both? I, I think I think one thing it was to stay at home because that 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 was an emergency situation. All you have to do is look at at the the meat plants. The fact is they sent the people they, they were sending people back into the meat plants meat 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 plants. And the mm-hmm. fact is hundreds uh, hundreds of people began to 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 uh, uh, to have the virus. And so 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 if you start putting uh, millions of people back to work. You can expect, and this is what we're trying, to, what they're trying to avoid is, is, is sending us back to what we were two months ago. The fact is, when you have when you have the number of people that are dying from this virus, you don't want to go back to that. So yeah, it's, you can open the country, but it has to be uh, in a responsible way. And so and, and and so you just can't go back back to to uh, things as usual like like we were uh, back in December. It's just it, okay, but, but, but why but why why is the choice? No, I I don't disagree. But but why is why is the choice? You can't you you can't open up, but it can't be business as usual. Because my guess is a lot of the plants that are going to open up, for example, I, I they're they're going to you know have partitions between people. Um, why is it that we let 500 people go into a fleet farm store, but you don't let anybody go into, you know, Frank's luggage store that may- maybe he gets five or six people in? I mean, don't don't we have to be smart about how we we do this? Oh, certainly. Oh, certainly. I think you can. I think there are areas that that uh, I think governments are open. I mean, I mean uh, governments are open up. Uh, state governments are open up all the way. Yeah, I think yeah, you can go back into to uh, uh, do petitions if they have do it by appointment. You can go back to the barber shop if, if they do it by appointment. Certainly, there are ways we can do that and, and go back responsibly. But people want to go back to this mass thing where we're all just piled into into, into companies. So, and, and, and Fleet Farm, if they allow that, they're, then they're irresponsible. But my point is, is that we can go back to a certain way and begin to do this gradually so we don't go back to where we are two months ago where we have 700 people dying in one day. Right. Well, thanks for calling, Vincent. And I, and I don't disagree with you. And, and that's the whole, I mean, look, th- that's why we, we go back to what are what are the goals. And, and if the goals are to flatten the curve and make sure that the health system doesn't get, get overwhelmed by the, the number of, of people who come down with this. And that's why it seems to me that the smart thing to do, and, and we've, we've learned stuff over the course of the last, you know, two months. I mean, for example, we, we've, we've learned about how important it is to keep social distancing. But, uh, okay, all right, that, that's fine, but we've got all these different businesses that are open with social distancing. You go into these various retailers and you've got others across the street that are closed. It's kind of like this haphazard sort of thing, this kind of whack-a-mole about, okay, what's, what's, all right, this is what we're going to close today. This is what we're going to open today. I think, you know, at some point in time, we have to realize that maybe we get some credit for the whole idea of recognizing that we have to separate ourselves and we have to engage in some social distancing and things like that. But, you know, and plus, I mean, again, if you were, if the brewers were to say tomorrow, hey, opening day is two days from now, 
Let's have 45,000 people out at Miller Park. I, I, my, my guess is very few people are going to show up. I mean, I think just, you know, you don't necessarily need the government to tell you when you can go back and do sort of things. Because I think people are kind of smart, and, and people will end up, you know, again, doing their own thing. But the question is, if you don't agree with that, then what is, you know, what are the goals? And I, I will say, I get all these texts from people who are like, well, if one person gets sick, you know, we, we, we cannot allow people to, you know, go out in public and interact with their mothers or, or go patronize these different businesses if there's any possibility that anybody is going to get sick and, and get this. And, again, I understand it's, it's not the flu and it's not pneumonia, but at the same time, you know, we have 5.8 million people in the state of Wisconsin. There's, what, 8,500 confirmed cases of, of COVID-19 in the last two months. And part of it is, again, the, the safer at home sort of stuff and also the social distancing, but it's 8,500. And uh, you look, any death is unacceptable. I understand that. But at the same time, you know, there are all sorts of huge consequences to just continuing to keep the state shut down, especially in areas where, for all intents and purposes, there is little or no reasonable chance that you are going to get coronavirus because there's little or no coronavirus in your particular area. And if if somehow that, that happens, like you have an outbreak at the meat plant, well, then you have to be nimble enough and flexible enough that we concentrate on, okay, let, let's, we've now had this huge outbreak. Let's, let's focus on this, and let's try to identify the people that might have been exposed, and let's get them into quarantine, et cetera. It's easier to do that than it is to try to quarantine a state of 5.8 million people. Isn't it? Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner. Got a text that said, Jeff, you you referred to to Miller Park, and you said that if the Brewers had opening day two days from now, you didn't think that lots of people would attend. And somebody said, well, if you gave $5 tickets, the place would be packed. I don't know. I, I I think... For a large number of people, even though we want to return to normalcy, the, the idea of going to large sporting events or piling into crowded concert halls, I, I think it's a long way away for that. And I, I, I think, you know, even if you, and that's one of the things I think a lot of concert promoters and a lot of festival organizers, that's the conclusion that they've come to, that even even if the rules are relaxed and, and the government doesn't prohibit you from doing this there's a lot of people that that aren't simply aren't going to you know interesting story in the madison paper today the deadline for renewing your wisconsin football season tickets it's monday and there's all these different people that are wrestling with the idea of i I don't know do we do we do we renew the tickets because we don't know, first of all, whether they're going to be games or not. And there's questions about, you know, how you get refunds. And if to get your seats, you have to make a donation. The question is, do those, does that money come back? There's all sorts of variables that attach to it. But the underlying question is, people are saying, hey, you know, even if they play the games, do I, do I want to go? I love Wisconsin football, but do I want to go cram myself into the bleachers at Camp Randall Stadium with 75 or 80 or 85,000 or however many of my closest friends? And and it's a real ongoing debate. My guess is there's a lot of people who would answer that no. All right, a lot of great stuff coming up in the next hour of the program. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. You know, you really have reached a point where you want to say, I, I never like to wish away time because time is is precious and life is short 
But I got to tell you something, 2020, the, the sooner we get 2020 into our rearview mirror, the better it seems it's, it's going to be. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to that weather forecast here, and, and of course, I, I thought we had a relatively mild winter, but it was still a, a, a Wisconsin winter. Then you're listening to this forecast. Okay, here we are. It's, we're pushing middle May. It's Mother's Day, and we're being told, what was it, hard freeze on, on Saturday? Make sure you don't have any plants outside. And then Sunday, snow snow and rain now i understand you know this is wisconsin and yes in apparently in the middle of may you can get snow but my goodness i mean it's one thing after another for 2020 which brings me to this story and again it kind of it, it relates to what i see as sort of the whack-a-mole approach that government takes towards trying to, to close us down it's like all right well we're going to let you do this all right for or we're not we're going to open up the golf courses but there's no golf carts Okay, well, well, no, no, now we're going to open up the golf courses, but if you're disabled, you can have a golf cart. But you can't um, ride in the golf cart with somebody who's not a member of your household. And then, okay, now it's we're going to open up and we're going to allow you to drive in the golf cart by yourself, but you can also drive with your wife if you want. But, you know, you, but uh, that's going to be the, the rule. So you can drive to the golf course with your buddies, but you can't ride in the golf cart with them. Okay, it's sort of like this. Let, let's try to figure out the rules as we go. All right, well, here is the story, and I am dying to know how you feel about this. All right, Miller Park, you know, that, that big baseball stadium that is sitting unused off of, you know, the, off of the freeway. Earlier this week, and then a couple weeks ago, two area high schools, Franklin and Oak Creek, announced that they were going to hold their graduation ceremonies at Miller Park. Yesterday, Franklin High School put out this notice to the the seniors. We are sending you out in style, class of 2020. The 56th graduating class of Franklin High School will celebrate their graduation ceremony at Miller Park on Sunday, July 19th. 2020 at 2 p.m. Okay, so keep in mind that date. That is July 19th. Now, now, regardless of what happens in the state Supreme Court, Governor Evers' safer at home, stay at home order expires at the end of May. All right, so it's the end of May. Franklin has scheduled their graduation ceremony at Miller Park for, again, the end of July, middle of July, July 19th, two months from two and a half months from now. Oak Creek had earlier announced that their graduation ceremony was going to be July 18th, which is a Saturday, at Miller Park. So those weekends, July 18th and 19th, that weekend, Saturday and Sunday, Oak Creek on Saturday, Franklin on Sunday. Miller Park seats, what, 40-plus thousand people. My guess is a graduation ceremony for Franklin or Oak Creek High School. What's that going to draw? 2,000 maybe? Maybe maybe more, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But you're you're not going to be filling Miller Park. It's not going to draw 45,000 for for that thing. So a couple thousand. So you're going to have a ton of, of space for the graduation, the rescheduled graduation ceremony. Well, after Franklin sends out its notice, this morning, apparently uh, the state, DHS, Department of Health Services, sent a note saying, hey, look, if you do this, you are in violation of our current rules because we are advising all schools to cancel 
or postpone all in-person ceremonies for spring and summer graduations. That's they sent this out this morning saying that this this is it. They did say that well, you know, maybe maybe depending on circumstances in the future we'll reevaluate this. But the state is saying, "Hey, our our guidance is don't get people at Miller Park for graduation in mid-July. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, we were talking about people being comfortable going around like large groups of people. And like I say, I think there's going to be a point in time. It's going to take a while before people are going to feel comfortable piling into the, the large or even you know some of the several thousand seat you know concert venues and being close to each other. But, but, all right, should the state be telling high schools that two months from now, if you plan graduations at Miller Park, where you know there's going to be tons and tons of space, should we be saying, don't do that, cancel all those activities? 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, of course... You know, who knows what two months from now is going to look like. But at the same time, these schools have to make preparations. You know, you have to make plans. You have to make arrangements. You have to give people appropriate notice. It's not something that you just kind of put together. But are we really at a point, do you think we will be at a point where it would be improper or unsafe or dangerous at the middle of July or the end of July to have a high school graduation at Miller Park, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or put another way, should the school, should the state at this point in time be saying, hey, we, we think this should be canceled even though you're doing it in this huge venue and even though you're scheduling it for 8, 10, 12 weeks from May, June, July, you know, two months from now. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, of course, if an individual parent, for example, feels uncomfortable going to the event at Miller Park, uh, not, nobody's going to hold a gun to your head and say you have to go. 855-616-1620. What about the plans to schedule this at Miller Park and the state saying, don't do it? All right, we're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, let, let's, let's be clear. Franklin and Oak Creek, I think, are behaving in a responsible fashion. They want to do graduation ceremonies. They have pushed the graduation ceremonies off until the middle of July two-plus months from now, which is way after, at least at this point in time, any sort of stay-at-home guidelines are scheduled to expire. Not only that, but they've made arrangements to do the events at Miller Park, a venue that seats 40-some thousand people. And again, I don't know how many people show up at Oak Creek or Franklin's graduation, but my guess is 2,000, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe 2,000. So you've got plenty of opportunities for social distancing. Yet you've got the Department of Health and Social Services from Madison. As soon as they find out about this, they come out with a statement saying their advice is that schools should cancel or postpone all in-person ceremonies for spring and summer graduations. To which my response would be, why? 
I, I mean, I, I, I understand you could give guidance as to conditions, but really we're going to tell these schools that you shouldn't go ahead and make these plants. Now, maybe something will change. Look, maybe there will be some development that, you know, as of July 1st, we, we're back in the middle of this huge surge or whatever, and it might become necessary to cancel the graduation. All right, but to tell them in May that, okay, you shouldn't go ahead with this plan for this event in July that you want to put together, I think is a gross overreach. And, again, this idea that, okay, we want everybody to live in this bubble, but we're going to tell you you can't do something six, seven, eight weeks from now um, based on what we don't know. We don't know what the conditions are going to be like. Let's start with Sue in Cedarburg. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thank you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it's a great idea. I mean, put, you know, a 1,000 people in a stadium of 40,000, they can certainly social distance. They can wear their masks. It's outdoors, for one thing. In the summer, when this virus is not supposed to be like the flu is not as rampant, and if you wait too much into the fall, we may get into the next, uh, flu season and this season, and it may change again. So I think it's a super idea. Smart, smart, smart. No, thank, thanks a lot. I, I do as well. And, again, you always – Look, I don't know. I don't know what July 4th is going to look like. I don't know what July 10th is going to look like. And maybe, maybe, like I say, we will be in, in, in the throes of this surge that we haven't had yet in the state of Wisconsin. Okay, well, if that's the case, well, then maybe it's, hey, we, we need to, we need to rethink this idea of allowing anybody to come, you know, into even, even Miller Park because we're in the middle of the surge. But to say in, early may no you can't go ahead and schedule this under these circumstances at miller park it's not like they're having the graduation in some tiny bowling alley it's at miller park for goodness sakes 855-616-1620 greg and waukesha greg you're on wtmj good afternoon how are we doing i'm well thank you i crazy go ahead <laughs> crazy government overreach and i almost it almost pains me to think that we're talking about something two and a half months from now and running away like a bunch of scaredy cats. It, it might not even be what it is. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that the government would even start talking about it. Well, well, right, exactly. No, no, thanks for the call. And again, it's all it's all this kind of anticipatory thing. And again, I mean, our knee-jerk reaction because of all this is, let, let's not think these things through. Let's close this down. Let's discourage this. Let's shut this down. Let's shut that down, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I could see the state coming out and giving out guidelines saying, okay, this if you want to go ahead with graduations, these these are our concerns. We want to figure out how to maintain social distancing and things like that. But who, again, unless this is this master plan, unless the state really has plans unless our government has plans to say we are not going to reopen this state for the next six months or eight months we're going to say okay no gatherings of over 50 people period it, it, why would you tell them not to do this at this point in in time now again i think you have to keep the door open and maybe 
maybe, you know, things are going to take a dramatic turn for the worse. And maybe as of July 1st, you have to assess and you say, you know, okay, we, we've seen what's happened over the course of the last two months. And, and now we don't think it's a good idea even to have like a thousand people get together or 1500 or whatever the number is going to be, even in the confines of a 40,000 seat stadium. We still don't think it's a good idea. All right. Well, th- that's fine. Then you have that debate then. But to tell these schools that I think have been very proactive in trying to figure out a, a good way to pull something off, I, I think you got to give them credit for that. Let's talk to Jennifer in Oak Creek. Jennifer, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you? Okay, this is Oak Creek. You're neck of the woods. Uh, correct. And I've had students. Uh, my children have graduated from Oak Creek High School. Um, Oak Creek has historically had their graduations at Miller Park. So it's not, okay. uh, this is, wouldn't be their first time doing this. Um, I guess I just want to explain only that it's not just a thousand people. The graduating classes are usually 500 students. Each student probably has between six to 10 family members that show up. So the stage is actually located over home plate. And then the family is situation, situated in tiers one and two of, um, of the field house. Now they have okay. sections that are blocked off. You can't, you can't utilize the whole stadium. People can't go and pick, you know, over by Bernie's slide or anything like that. Everybody's concentrated in this one area, and it is way more than a thousand people that show up. And because there's no assigned seating, people get to the gates just like they do for a regular ballpark, uh, regular ball day, where everybody is gathered around the gate waiting to get in because everybody wants. Mm-hmm. That front row, first tier seating. <laughs> okay, so sure. It, it, and you all have to use the same escalators. It's not, mm-hmm. you can't go in at any entrance. It, it is very close and confined. Um, since my kids are already out of the school system, I really don't have a dog in this fight for this year. And I don't know, obviously, what the conditions will be in July. I just want people to understand that it's not just, you know, a thousand people that show up. These are well, extremely large events. Oh, okay. Well, let, let's let's say, but then if, if this is still a, a concern, why? We, you, there seems to me there's all sorts of things you could do. You could you could limit it to okay four four family members instead of six to ten. You could open up more sort of areas so people could spread out a little bit. I mean, it would again. You've got a venue that seats forty five thousand people. I'm, it seems to me there's all sorts of things you could do to to spread out people. Agree with that. I believe that okay. the closed-off areas was based upon Miller sure. Park's decision. That was, you know, right. entirely them. I would agree with if the immediate households sat together and then yeah. they kept, you know, a couple of seats in between the next immediate household. I think that would be better. Um, yeah. I think they could stagger how they let yeah. people enter the the field house. Yeah. I think that would make it easier. Um, I think it'd just be helpful if maybe they had assigned seating. Then everybody yeah. wouldn't be trying to fight for, <laughs> you know, the best no. seats in the house. <laughs> no, no, sure, it's, no. It's thanks for calling. I, no, 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 I, I appreciate. It. I mean, like, and again, I, I just. It, it seems to me that again, this is—it's not really rocket science. It, it's stuff that you you can do. And if you're you, you've got this huge venue, and, and maybe you have to spread out people a little bit, like you say, maybe you have to open up a couple more entrances or exits, or maybe you have to give out tickets. So if if this is even this huge concern. 
which I, I think is is still th- this kind of you know big if. Because keep in mind, I mean, if, all right, if if this is the idea, I mean that that we're going to have the government tell us that you can't get together in any sort of of large group, that you can't do you can't do graduations. I, I mean, th- does that? What, what is that going to mean? Are we going to have churches that are, aren't going to be able to operate? And I understand that, well, some churches do draw a couple thousand people over the course of the weekend. I mean, where is this going to be, and, and how far out can we go in, in reaching this particular point? And, look, I, I have no concern, and I have no doubt that, you know, it's, when you're talking about Miller Park, you would think that they're able to, maybe they have to make some changes as to the way they, they did it like last year, but you'd think that there's all sorts of things that you could do to allow people, if you want to have that graduation in person, to, to do it, and for the state to just automatically say, well, we don't think this is a good idea, period, in early May, don't even plan this type of thing till July, uh, again, makes you wonder whether the, what the agenda here is and what the rationale is when we don't know what the world is going to look like in July. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Mother's Day is, of course, Sunday. Always kind of a difficult time for my mom passed away uh, ten years ago, gosh, it, time just absolutely flies, and there is not, there's just not a day that goes by that I just flat out don't miss her. So um, honor your moms, no question about it, Mother's Day coming up this Sunday. All right, you. this story is, is getting a lot of national attention, and, and deservedly so, in part because of a, a video that just became public. And I, I sent out, again, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I, I sent out a, a tweet that has a, a link to the story and a link to the, the video that you can find. And again, this is one that, because you have the whole situation with uh, the, the video and now people can see this, it, it's generating a lot of attention. But there's really, the only takeaway I can come up with it is that there, there's something really wrong in Georgia, if you haven't heard the story, this goes back to, to February. There's a 25-year-old black man. His name is Ahmad, Ahmad A-H-M-A-U-D, Arbery, A-R-B-E-R-Y. And um, he, he lived in this particular area, lived in Brunswick, uh, which is on in the southeast coast of Georgia. And one of the things he did is he was like a jogger. He, he'd go out and, and he'd run. Okay, so February 23rd. He's jogging through his neighborhood, jogging through his neighborhood, and he's spotted by a guy named Gregory McMichael, who believes that Arbery looks like a suspect in a series of recent break-ins that had occurred in the area. Um, actually, only one burglary had been reported to the authorities, but okay, so this guy's looking and he sees him and says, hey, that, that black guy that's running through the neighborhood, he, he looks like um, one of the suspects in these break-ins. All right, so what the guy does, the guy who sees him, 64 years old, calls his 34-year-old son. They arm themselves. One has a handgun, one has a shotgun. And then what happens is they chase him in a truck. They, they, they pile into the truck, and they go out, you know, looking for the black guy that's running through the neighborhood, who is just jogging, who lives in, in the neighborhood. So apparently what, what happens is that, you know, they, they pull up, 
and they keep yelling at him, stop, stop, we, we, want, to, we want to talk to you. And then what they do, and you can see this from, from the video, they, they pull ahead of him, and they, they stop the truck, trying to like, like block his way. There also looks like there's a third person that's in the truck as well. All right, so what happens then is the, the man who's running decides he's going to just kind of run past the, the truck. So he goes on the right, runs past the truck, at which point in time the 34-year-old steps out of the truck with a, a shotgun. <laughs> he steps out with, with a shotgun, and they, they apparently stick the shotgun in the guy's chest. Now, if you watch this video, you can see what looks like a what looks like a struggle that occurs. I mean, there's a moving vehicle behind them. They, they see this. The runner, this would be the man who's murdered, crosses the road um, to pass the pickup on the passenger side. Shouting can be heard. A gunshot sounds. The video shows the runner grappling with a man in the street over what appears to be a shotgun. Second shot is heard, and then a third shot is fired at point-blank range. The runner staggers a few feet and falls down. So, I mean, it's it's pretty clearly at least to me, a, a murder. <laughs> um, well, these two, these murderers are, are out on the street. There, there haven't been any arrests, in part because the dad, the older guy, he is a retired investigator for, like, the local DA's office. He had retired, like, a year ago. So all these district attorneys start recusing themselves because they, they know him. In addition... You've got other law enforcement people who are saying, well, you know, we, we think this could be a, a case of, again, self-defense because when they confronted the man with the gun, you know, the, their story is that he started to struggle with them. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I look at situations like this, and I guess there are cases that I see that just, it is unbelievable to me that in America, in 2020, you could have stories like this. That you could have an unarmed black jogger who is essentially chased and then shot in cold blood and that there are no arrests or charges that have been made you know, in this case. Now, again, there, one of the things that people say is, well, you know, we, we haven't arrested anybody because we've got COVID-19 and, and we've suspended meeting grand juries. Grand juries haven't met and they're not going to meet till the middle of July. But, but that doesn't mean you can't arrest people. It doesn't mean you can't issue complaints and get the process started. There is a degree of outrage that is swelling across the country over the shooting. And you know what? I... I understand it. And the problem that I see is it is amazing to me that you could have law enforcement officials and prosecutors and candidly elected officials like the attorney general or even the governor that should be so incredibly tone deaf when you have a situation where you essentially have somebody that is murdered in cold blood now the phrase that's coming around here is like jogging while black and you know what there's it, it's tough to argue with that under these circumstances because all this guy was doing was running through the neighborhood and by running through the neighborhood because 
he matched the description of somebody who had you know committed a burglary at some unspecified time in the last two months you know in that neighborhood and because well he matched the description undoubtedly because he was a black guy nothing more than that he ends up getting executed and the people who did it are still out on the street today 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line it is disgraceful it is appalling and it is amazing to, just sad sad that something like this can go on in this country in 2020 lamar in um, orlando lamar you're on wtmj good afternoon hey jeff thanks for taking my call um, yes, sir. Man, this this video opens up. It was infuriating for me to watch, and I hate that I've seen it um, because it's, my goodness, grievances. But this particular grievance is what, you know, I, and I hate to say this, but it's the truth. This is what African-Americans have been complaining about forever when it comes to the police being treated differently. Um, certainly race, we believe that race plays a factor. Um, but it's mm. appalling that this guy was essentially hunted down and, they got their guns and, and, you know, confronted the guy. And then the defenders are saying, well, because he grabbed the gun, he was in self-defense, not even thinking that this guy, two strangers just rolled up on him with guns, and he's probably fighting yeah. for his life. And not, to, and not to rehash the old Martin situation, but this is the same uh, narrative that, that, you know, that, you know, the black community got from the whole Martin situation. Right. Same, same, similar scenario. Yeah, well, and you're right. In this particular case, I'm trying to put myself, and again, I'm trying to imagine anybody, you're, you're jogging. You're, that, that's all you're doing. You're, you're jogging. It's your neighborhood. And like you say, a couple guys roll up on you and start, you know, screaming at you and pointing guns at you. And then they try to pass this off as well. You know, he, he resisted when we stuck guns in his face. And so we had to shoot him. I mean, really. I, and it, it, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. It, it is just, again, this is, this is one of these examples where it, it's it's not just what they did, you know, because clearly in my mind this looks like about as brutal a case of, of of murder as you can possibly find. But it's the idea that this has been approved institutionally that you know that you have authorities who've just kind of sat on this, and you know we wouldn't probably be talking about. It. I mean, this case has been kind of percolating, but now that this video has has come forward and you know been released, and you can see again exactly what appears to happen in this situation, you can understand why there is this collective outrage. And unfortunately, if there weren't the video of this, you wonder, I mean, would there be as much outrage and would it be getting as much of attention as it deserved? Well, and, and I, I can't answer that question. But for people who argue or happen to believe that we do not have a, we do not have a colorblind criminal justice system, and my my answer is, I I guess in general, I think there are flaws in our system, but I think it it tends to work as a general rule. But I appreciate that when you look at things like this, and you see cases like this, and you see the, these guys who are you know connected white guys, and by connected I mean they're part of the the system. The one guy is a retired investigator or whatever, and you see that they can get away with something like this. I, I understand why people believe that there is a double standard because you know what you you can't defend what happened here, and then for the authorities to kind of come out with these well sort of technical things. Well, there's you know the grand jury doesn't meet till July. Oh well. well Okay, I, I used to run grand juries. I used to be the grand jury coordinator for on the federal level, and, and and yes, 
Grand juries only meet, you know, a couple times a month or whatever. But that doesn't mean that you can't arrest people who commit crimes, you know, um, out, outside of the grand jury process. You arrest them, you get them off the street, and then what you do is then you, you bring the case before the grand jury at the appropriate time. Tony in Waukesha. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you doing? Hi. Hi, Tony. Well, this is a this is an infuriating case, to tell you the honest to goodness truth, and it shouldn't happen in America. I mean, I'm I'm just concerned with the fact that if you can't go jogging outside of your community, then what can you do? Because what I don't understand is the fact that even though you're trying to do a citizen's arrest, what, what is the purpose in getting armed and chasing down the suspect? Help me with that question. Yeah. How do you get armed? Well, right. Well, 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 right, exactly. Okay, if, if you, now, to me, they, they thought they, they recognized it. My guess is, hey, we see this black guy jogging through the area, so, you know, it, that, that, that's their probable cause to believe that he is the guy that was resolved in the robbery. But, yeah, you're right. Okay, so if, if you think that, you call your buddies at the DA's office right. or at the cop shop, and you say, hey, I, I think the guy that, you know, has been responsible for these ripoffs, I think I just saw him running through the street. Why don't you send a patrol car out to investigate it? Yeah, you and your your kid don't get your, don't arm yourselves and jump in the back of the right. pickup and go run them down. Yeah, right. And, 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 and let's say this happened in the black community. Let's say a white person goes jogging. A white male did the same thing. Right? You know what kind of arms race you would have. So what I'm saying, so it's a double standard. And so you see where we're facing. And lastly, I'll leave you with where we, where we have to wear the mask. Right. So if a black male is wearing a mask going into the suburban areas, into a banking situation or what have you, so how are they viewed as that? Are we bank robbers? Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, thank, no, it, no, thanks. I mean, it, it just, this is just so outrageous on, on so many levels. And, you know, and I, again, if, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620, and I, I send out a link to a CNN story, but they've got some links to other stories as well. The, the response by authorities in Georgia, all the way up to the Attorney General, have just, it's just been infuriating and, and it's appalling that, you know, and, and it's all these, these sort of technical excuses as to this or that or the other thing. And the bottom line is there's a 25-year-old guy who is dead and his only, his only offense was jogging through a neighborhood. Tony said, well, you mean you can't go into neighborhoods that aren't your own? No, this was even this guy's neighborhood. It's 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 his it is his neighborhood. He was clearly murdered for the offense of jogging while black. And for for people who get upset about you know folks who from time to time do what we call a quote unquote play the race card and all that. Okay, well this this is the type of thing that fuels all that because the man did nothing. He's dead, and the people who killed him are still out on the street. It's gotta change. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Southeastern Wisconsin, well, it's open for business. During these unprecedented times, it's more important than ever to support local businesses. Head to WTMJ.com right now, and you're going to find a We're Open link on the homepage. You'll see a list of businesses in your community where your family, your friends, and neighbors are open for business. 
If you're a business owner, you can head to WTMJ.com to add your business as well. Open for business from WTMJ. All right, you know, there, as we try to figure out what the fallout is going to be from this prolonged economic shutdown, not just in Wisconsin but across the across the country, where you look at the – and across the world, actually, when you look at all the different jobs that have been lost. And one of the, the things – and we've talked about this a couple times over the last week or two – as a general rule, the, the immediate impact, the short-term impact, has been largely in the private sector, not exclusively, but largely in the private sector. When you look at the three or 400,000 people in Wisconsin who've lost their jobs and applied for unemployment, it has been largely a private sector phenomenon. You know, businesses that have been ordered closed by the government as being non-essential or businesses that have just closed or laid off employees because of the lack of uh, of demand. I mean, hotels, for example, hotels can stay open, but a lot of hotels, downtown Milwaukee, all the major hotels closed. And it wasn't because the government was forcing them to close. It was because nobody is staying in the hotels and people aren't traveling. I, I You know, if you, if you own an airport hotel, you know, anywhere in this country, my guess is that your business is down... 70, 80 percent, maybe more, because you, you depend on, on travelers. You know, people coming in, you tra- depend a lot on business travel, and that's just not happening anymore. So, you know, it, at least in the immediate, the immediate effect has been really hard-hit private sector. But it is starting now to spill over into the public sector, because how do we pay for goods and services in the public sector? Well, we, we pay for it with with people's taxes, you know, the, the, the payroll taxes that are paid and sales taxes that are paid and, and, and all sorts of different things. And then moving forward, we pay for it with income taxes and things of the like. And that's just flat out drying up. Story in the Journal Sentinel yesterday, and the headline is correct. State tax collections fell off a cliff in, in April. Uh, the state's economy took an $870 million hit in April as residents stayed home and delayed paying their taxes. So you, you've got all that as well. A huge, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars decrease in, in tax revenue that's coming in. And so now what you're starting to see is the government's recognizing that, and this is all levels of government. This is local government, and it's county government, it's state government. They're starting to see that, all right, there, there's going to be this huge effect on, on us as well. City of Milwaukee now announcing that they are going to furlough um, and or cut the hours for 750 employees. Teachers and, and employees in a lot of the school systems who have been able to stay on, on salary for at least a while, now one school district after another is at a point where they are furloughing and laying off their employees with, with no certainty at all about what's going to happen in the future. And if you look at the UW system, and, and some of this some of this is long overdue, but it's unfortunate. You've got the uh, leader, the president of the UW system, Ray Cross, who's out saying, look, as we look forward, you know, we, we've got to realize that we've got to make major changes because we're, we're just not going to have the revenue. I mean, first of all, we, we had to send kids home, and so we're not generating a lot of that revenue. We don't know what the fall is going to look like. I mean, I think it is still very up in the air as to whether on a college level you're going to have, you're going to have kids coming back to campuses. 
Now, they, they might continue and there might be like that online learning and things like that, but the notion of, you know, people going, you know, back and living in the dorms and in close um, close proximity to each other, I, I don't know that you're going to see that happen. So anyhow, Ray Cross is now saying, okay, what we're going to have to recognize is we cannot operate like we did before. And what that probably means is we, across the whole UW system, need to do the things that we were looking at doing at Stevens Point not that long ago, where we look and we say, okay, we, we have all these, I'll just pick one, we got history majors. Okay, well, all right, at some schools, maybe we've got a lot of kids that are enrolled in the history program. At other schools, we, we don't have many. We, we just we can't afford to have you know a history major at all our different schools. So we might have to say, hey, if you want to go to school and get a history major and you want to go to a state school, maybe you have to go to you know one of these three UW schools, but you can't find that everywhere. It's these decisions that are going to be driven by the lack of revenue. So like I say, I think there were some people who felt that you know maybe there hadn't been this huge impact of coronavirus or COVID-19 so far in the public sector. That whole dynamic is changing. Um, this is, as far as economic disaster, it's going to be an equal opportunity pandemic, no question about it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back... All right, there is an elected official at a state in a state out east who is encouraging constituents to socially shame and confront people who aren't wearing masks. What could possibly go wrong with that? We'll discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right. As we reopen the state and as we reopen the the country, there's this ongoing debate about under what circumstances should we do this. And there is this ongoing debate about whether or not people, when they go out in public, should have to wear masks. And I understand there is a lot of passion about this. The CDC, of course, originally said, at the start of all this, that they don't recommend wearing masks because they find that it really does nothing to appreciably stop the spread of COVID-19. Now, that guidance changed over time, and so now they're saying, oh, wear a mask, we, we think it, it it's fine, and it can't hurt. And I think that's probably true. It, it, it can't hurt. How much it helps, well, that, that's a whole different story. In any event, around here, it is not mandatory statewide that people go out in public wearing masks. However, there are a number of businesses that have made the decision that, hey, if you're going to come into the business, you have to have a mask in place. And there's, you know, airlines, for example, are saying that, you know, if you're going to fly on our planes, you have to wear a mask. I question how practical that is, but regardless, that's the rules and they have the right to do it. Other states or communities have made wearing masks in public to be mandatory. All right. And one of those states is is um, Rhode Island. And of course, in Providence, which is the largest city, I believe, in Rhode Island, they have they have a rule that says that, OK, you should if you're out in public, you should wear masks covering your nose and, and face. And starting starting this Friday, everybody in Rhode Island will be required to wear facial coverings in public. 
All right, so that, that's what the rule is. And if you live in Rhode Island and you go out in public, you're, you're supposed to, to follow it. Okay, so the question then becomes, what happens if people go out in public in violation of this rule and, and they don't have the masks on? Right? What, what do you do? Do you have the virus vigilantes who then call the police and say, hey, I, I just drove by the, the corner of 4th and Main, and, and there's three people out there, and they don't have masks on. You, know, you go out and do that. I mean, do, I mean, do we depend on the virus vigilantes? Do you leave it up to the police? Is it an effort? You know, what, And what are the police supposed to do? Because even though you've got this rule that's in place, all right, presumably there's other people that are committing crimes in in Rhode Island or in Providence. So, you know, you would think that they probably have better things to do than to go run and, and answer a report about you know, three people who are out in public not wearing masks. Okay, well, into this situation then comes the mayor of Providence. And the mayor has gone public and says, well, okay, here's what we think we should do. The police can't can't deal with all these different situations. I mean, the, the police can't have have that. So what I want people to do is I want people to self-police, to self-police. In other words, you know, um, if you see somebody that's not following the rules, the mayor is saying, I, I think, you know, you, you should you should go up and, and you can you should confront them. You know, you should tell them, you know, you're supposed to be wearing, you know, rules. It's a role, you're supposed to be wearing masks. There's a role for every person to play, and she says to make sure that everybody is part of of the solution. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. They, They call this, I mean, they call this shaming. And the idea is social shaming and confronting people. You're out there. You see somebody who's not wearing a mask. You see somebody who's not a practicing social distancing. Should you take it upon yourself to get in their face and confront them about it? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What could possibly go wrong with this? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I understand if, if, if there are rules that are put in place, and in the case of Rhode Island, they now have the rule saying you got to wear the mask in public. I think Illinois has a similar rule to that. You might think it is a silly rule. You might think it's a ridiculous rule. But nonetheless, it is the rule. And if you go out in public, people are expected to comply with that. The question becomes, though, if you are out there with your mask and you see somebody who's not complying, do we say see something, say something. That's fine. But recognizing that the police have bigger fish to fry, do you think it's a good idea for people to be confronting other people about masks or social distancing or any of the like? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I guess I, I was sort of stunned that you have a mayor saying, no, go go, go confront people, go social same, get in people's faces over this, because candidly, seems to me that that is a recipe for disaster. What could possibly go wrong? Even if the people aren't following the rules, I don't know, should citizens be going up and getting in their face about it? 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or maybe maybe you call the authorities if you feel this is this egregious sort of thing. And if the police can't deal with it, the police can't deal with it. That's just how it works out. But you know, should you do we want individuals confronting other people about this? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, starting on f- tomorrow, if if you live in Rhode Island and you are out in public, you are required to wear a mask, carrying your covering your nose and, and your mouth. Okay. Now, some people think that's ridiculous. Other people think it's incredibly necessary. Regardless, it's it's what the rules are. The mayor of Providence, though, is acknowledging the, the practical reality that they, they don't have enough police officers to go out and investigate every situation where somebody is out not wearing a mask in public. So her advice is, well, if you see somebody doing that, not wearing their mask or whatever, we want social shaming. Go up, confront them. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What could possibly go wrong with that? Mike on the south side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. How's it going this afternoon? Real well, Mike. What do you think? Uh, I would think it's an incredibly poor idea to do something like that. I know myself, uh, I'm, I would not wear one, even if I was in Rhode Island. And for someone to come up to me and tell me or try to shame me, in public yeah. uh it's still america and i'll do what i want and yeah i mean when they're shaming you are they giving you six feet of distance because they're going to need six <laughs> feet to try to get away <laughs> well thanks for the call well it's also that that is the also the irony because you're also supposed to social distance so I, i'm trying to i'm trying to imagine how all this is going to work you have the the four teenagers who are out on the corner and they're not wearing their masks and you have the adult who sees these four kids that are not wearing their masks. What, what are you going to do? Are, are you going to go up and you, you, well, you can't get faces too much because you're supposed to also maintain that six feet social distancing. Look, the, the bottom line of all this is I try to figure out it's one thing to, to write this stuff on paper. It's another thing to figure out how it's going to work in the real world. And I'm trying to imagine a situation where somebody sees somebody and says, you know what, they're, 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 they're not wearing their masks or whatever, so I'm going to confront them. It, it seems to me the likelihood that this can turn ugly is, is much greater than whatever the concerns are about the person not wearing the mask. Now, again, we, we, we have this a lot. We, we have and the phrase that's developed is, is the virus vigilantes. And I, I know there's lots of law enforcement agencies around the country that are kind of overwhelmed by the, the person that kind of sits in their house and, and watches the groups walk by. And I just saw these four kids walk by, and I don't think they're related, and they're, um, they're not social distancing. So you, you call and, and you report them. And then the police respond or, or they end up not responding. But at least you're, you're calling that. I, I think the idea of encouraging people to confront other people who are not following this rule, well, it's, it's to me, it's a recipe for disaster because, you know, what happens when the person who's not wearing the mask doesn't take to being confronted very well? I mean, it's just, it, it seems to me it's inviting trouble and again i'm not talking about whether you should be wearing the mask or not it's like who enforces this lucy on the west side lucy you're on wtmj hi um 
Let I'm me listening. try to get you off of speaker. Let me get you off the of speaker. Okay. You took the words out of my mouth. This is crazy <laughs> to encourage people to get into street confrontations. Furthermore, the people who aren't wearing the masks are likely to be the ones who think it's all a bunch of hooey and somewhat prone to hot tempers anyway. I mean, some poor people in McDonald's got shot yesterday because somebody was mad they weren't open for table service. <laughs> right. I mean, there, exactly. there, there are angry, angry people out there. Um, and, I mean, for my own part, I'm not confronting anybody. I'm 74 years old. I'm 5 feet 2, and I can barely manage my 13-year-old dog. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's why I, I guess. And thanks for the call, Lucy. I, I, pre, I guess that's it. I think, and this is this is the mayor who is encouraging con- her residents to to socially shame people. I, I mean, we have examples of you're, you're driving on the road nowadays, and and somebody cuts you off, and, and you look at them, uh, you, you give them a look the wrong way, and they pull out a gun and they start shooting of these things. And again, I'm I, I'm taking no position at this point in time about the merits of, of wearing the mask or, or or not. That's a whole different discussion. But from an enforcement perspective, this idea, and look, and I, by the way, I'm a big believer in see something, say something. I mean, I, I wanna, I'm this, this huge advocate of, do you see something suspicious? All right, I, I think, you know, don't worry, but you shouldn't have to worry about political correctness or whatever. You, you tell the authorities and then let them investigate. This, I think, is the same sort of thing. If, if you decide that you see somebody who is not complying with social distancing rules or they're not wearing the masks or whatever, I, I think, you know, if, if you feel compelled to do that, call the police, you know, re- report it. Now, I don't think you should be surprised if the police say, well, we, we just don't have the resources to go out and do it. Oh, okay, but, but that's a decision the police are making. For the mayor to encourage citizens to go confront other citizens has such widespread potential for really bad things that I think it's it's stunning. Vince in Twin Lakes. Vince, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate your show. I've been listening for about two two years now. I just moved Super. up in the area. And I, I, I just love the AM radio, man. And uh, in the morning, you know, I, I love the, the 528 uh, uh, national anthem. What a great way to start. I know it's not part of your show, <laughs> but what a great way to start the morning, you know. Uh, no, yeah. personally, me, um, as far as that mayor uh, is concerned, the scenario that you're speaking of, uh, I'm one that kind of minds my own business. Uh, you know, I'm going to be 43. I'd like to see 44. Uh, I'm not going to confront somebody out in public about a mask, you know what I mean? Um, right. However, uh, my own uh, friends and family, I wouldn't have a problem, like, peer-checking them, so to speak, and be like, hey, come on, you know? Sure. Uh, people that I know and care about personally, uh, kind of like I do on the job sites, working construction, I'm an operating engineer, someone's not wearing a hard hat, hey, bro, throw your hard hat on, because I care about you, you know? Put your safety glasses yeah, well, on, bro, because I care about you, well, you know? But this particular well, scenario, I think that mayor's wrong. Nuts. <laughs> Thank you. I, I Thanks think for the call, though. I, I, no, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's kind of like this idea of, and he, he was on a radio show when he ended up saying this, and even the, the radio host said, you know, wait, you're, you're telling, you're exactly, you're suggesting to people that they should go up to strangers and socially shame them. The quote was socially shame them so they fall in line. And even the radio host was going, do you realize like kind of how this is going to work out in, in the real world? And again, I, if it's the rule, I appreciate that people should comply, but citizens' arrests and things like this, recipe for disaster. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.